This is KDXI St. George, Radio St. George at 100.3 FM. It's now time for tips, topics, issues, and positions. And now your host for tips, Dr. Bob Oxley. Hello, everybody. Bob Oxley here for tips, topics, issues, and positions. And uh, today's show, we're going to take a look at current affairs. What's going on out there? And I brought back two of our great experts, uh, Dr. Chip McLeod and Professor Joe Green. And the three of us are going to analyze all the current events we can come up with in this one hour. Welcome back, gentlemen. <laughs> Hello, Bob. Hey, 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 Bob. It must be Friday or something. It is Friday. Yeah, okay. It is Friday. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Where, where did that great experts uh, line come I, from? I, we like that. Actually, I, I wrote it down and I, I'm reading it. So. I guess I don't, <laughs> you guys, are, you're wonderful. And you, you, those of you that have been fortunate enough to hear them on the show before, uh, you know what I'm talking about. So welcome, gentlemen. You ready? Well, we're ready. All right. Bob, Bob, Bob. We might as well start off with that man in the White House called President Trump. Um, he's hasn't let us down. He's come up with all kinds of things going on. And uh, one thing, I guess the judges uh, indicated that he owes $2 million dollars. Uh, because he misused the funds for a charity. Anybody hear anything about that one? Well, yeah, but uh, I don't. I don't know that we're done with that, are we? Is, is he? Uh, I think that'll probably be appealed. Yeah. The, um, but it's uh, it's it's an issue that's going on in New York State uh, with the uh, I think the people in the Southern District of New York brought that, and I don't know a lot about the suit because you know the, the cases like that are uh, uh they're done in court and the reporters just it's only a big deal because it's president trump who knows what happened but i think they had to pay a they, they agreed to pay a fine of some kind didn't they i, I don't i didn't i didn't hear that about the fine i just knew about the two million dollars as, as Joe says, that's pretty mundane stuff. It usually takes a long time to work it out to the extent okay. that it gets worked out. And because it's about Donald Trump, it's news. And, okay. and uh, he, I'm going to take a wild guess. He owes a whole lot more money someplace than that. But <laughs> that's that's the the Trump sort of snafu du jour when it comes to his taxes. Okay, uh, He's got a lot of potential tax yeah, what, problems. That, but That brings up something else. Uh, a judge made a statement, or uh, there was a not a final decision, but a statement indicating that President Trump now has to show his tax returns. Do we have anything on that one? Uh, the trial judge in uh, the, the the tax returns were subpoenaed by again the Southern District of New York prosecutor, um, and Trump ref refused to turn them over, and uh, and so the prosecutor went to court to make him. And in the initial court file, the court decision, they said, you got to turn them over. So he appealed. So now it's gone. I think we're in the state of New York to New York, New York state appeals court. Uh, and they've said, you got to turn them over that. I think that was the next one. That was what I saw. Yeah, that's and so now they'll appeal to the, to the, uh, the state Supreme court. Well, it'll probably wind up being adjudicated by those nine nice people in robes and yeah, there, he's not going to turn them over while he's president. Okay, uh, is essentially the message that they're sending. Okay, um, we've got this uh, quid pro quo thing going on <laughs> between the uh, the president and the president of Ukraine, and we have new testimony coming in indicating that uh, it is quid pro quo, and then we have the transcript that can be interpreted as it's not quid pro quo. Uh, what's your feelings and what have you heard out in the street on this one? It's, um, it's pretty partisan. Uh, what you see when you look at the testimony that's been released and the testimony that was being leaked before the testimony was released and is, uh, all seen through a partisan lens almost entirely, at least with the political people in Washington. So uh, they had, Mrs. Pelosi brought up the impeachment vote the other day in the House. Every Republican voted against it. Uh, pretty much every Democrat. There were some in some uh, uh, districts that Trump had won, two people that voted against the impeach 
the, uh, launching the inquiry. This is not an impeachment. They have not right. they have not drawn up articles of impeachment yet. The idea is that it's an it's an inquiry, but everything I'm hearing uh, on all of the media that I follow is that impeachment is a for sure thing going to happen. The House is going to impeach him. They they'll come up with uh, they'll probably accuse him of uh, of uh, 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 resistance to Congress. What is that called? Where you don't turn stuff over when you're oh, supposed obstruction. Obstruction. Uh, the Senate will never convict him on that because he has because they'll say he has executive privilege. Well, Senate's not going to convict him. Period. <laughs> because uh, it doesn't look like there's a, any Republicans who would vote for it unless there's something in some coming testimony that uh, we haven't seen yet in which Trump directly says, I'm not going to release the aid to Ukraine until they investigate Joe Biden. Uh, now, Mr. Schiff, the chairman of the yes. Intelligence Committee, and the people who talk, uh, the, the Democrats on that committee come out and talk, say that it's clear that there, there was some sort of quid pro quo demanded for the release of the aid. And and so they'll, they're going to, uh, that'll, be, that'll be the main article of impeachment that everybody has to decide on. And every one of the Republicans who are on the committee who come out and talk say, nothing here, there's no tie. Although evidently they're, they're now willing to say, boy, he shouldn't have mentioned Joe Biden in the conversation, but there was no tie in the transcript. There was no tie. Uh, uh, most of the testimony that's been given has been uh, uh, things that are said secondhand, thirdhand, that kind of yeah. thing. The, the, the people that are giving the testimony are uh, career people from the State Department. Yeah. Right. So they they've actually had those positions under both Democratic as well as Republican presidents. Yes. So their credibility is, is pretty high, I would think. Uh, not on one side. <laughs> Not on the Trump side. They have there very little credibility on the Trump side. Okay. Well, well, as far as the the masses listening to this, that that's a different standard for credibility. And as Joe was suggesting, you have people um, on the Democratic side arguing that basically this is one tick away from a smoking gun, and that's I don't think that's accurate. Um, as well as. Last Republican I heard commenting about it was good old Lindsey Graham, and his take is that just absolutely nothing here at all. Um, there's a huge gap between those positions. And uh, also, the I'm trying to recall the name of the Minnesota Democrat who refuses to get behind impeachment. Uh, it'll come to me in a minute, perhaps. But um, I'm not sure whether... It, his position has been taken on principle or whether he is trying to hold on to his seat or some of both. But, uh, but yeah, to the, the end of the road, it's highly unlikely that they'll convict him. Um, if, if he is impeached and it appears he will be, um, we can't wait to read the articles of impeachment because that's not clear yet, but uh, we can have some idea of what they're going to write them up on. Yeah. Do you think next week when the testimony is going to be made public, we're going to have all the media and they're taking all the, watching all the testimony being given to the public, much like I'm thinking back of the Watergate situation with uh, Richard Nixon. Uh, do you think that's going to help or hinder Trump as far as reelection in 2016 or 2020, excuse me? The first thing to say is, in Watergate, uh, th there were witnesses, uh, first-hand witnesses who knew that Nixon had ordered the cover-up. He'd ordered the CIA and the FBI to back off the investigation into the break-in at the Watergate. Uh, it doesn't look like... Uh, we have some people who were listening in on the call. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think one colonel, I forget his yes. name, right. uh, who uh, who raised red flags for this isn't the way we do things kind of a thing. Um, but uh, but most of the others, the, the ambassador to Ukraine, the uh, the 
ambassador to the European Union, the, special, the State Department special envoy to, to Ukraine, those people uh, are all talking to each other about what they heard, okay? And some of the people that they will call who listened into the call had no red flags raised, didn't think there was a problem at all. In, and that's why if you watch a Trump rally uh, this week, they have people behind him in T-shirts say, read the transcript. That's right. The, tran- the white T-shirts. White with T-shirts red, with red. read the transcript yep. written all over them. <laughs> uh, because they say early in, the, in it when he says he's asked for a favor, it's about investigating general corruption. That's what he basically refers to after he says, I need a favor. And then later in the transcript, he asks, well, what about the Bidens and, and Hunter Biden being a uh, employee of this uh, natural gas company. Right. Uh, so they say there's no connection between them. And the line from the Democrats now is, it's not just the transcript, it's this other testimony uh, that clearly shows, well, that they say clearly shows there's a, a uh, quid pro quo going on behind the scenes that's kind of the understanding. And, all, and also what President Zelensky was supposed to say until Trump stopped him somehow and in an address um, just just short of that as well, people testifying um, is very important in this. My question, who's going to testify? Nobody being subpoenaed from the Republican side is showing up when it, uh, when it comes to that. And the most curious thing to me about that is uh, – Evidently, they figure they don't have to, and I'm not sure what kind of example that's setting that anybody cares about. But uh, if if I were subpoenaed by subpoenaed by our uh, judicial system, I, I think I'd show up. But the, these people are uh, refusing to do that in many cases, and they're getting away with it. Uh, and then we can, if you want to, also talk about uh, William Barr's just. Uh, stopping short of doing something Trump was actually saying something Trump wanted him to say that for some reason, who knows, he felt uncomfortable about it or didn't think it was valid or, uh, so yes, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's one of the best Washington DC dramas we've had in quite some time. Right. Right. The, the Republicans who are, who have been some subpoenaed and some invited, some weren't subpoenaed, uh, I think are going to make uh, uh, the case of executive privilege. Mm. That is, George Washington refused to give Congress some documents uh, right at the beginning of the country when uh, Congress wanted them and said, I, we're a separate branch of government. I need, I need this stuff kept secret so that I can be the, be the executive and run the foreign policy of the United States. Therefore, you can't demand them from me. And there's uh, uh, a back and forth in the courts about whether when you can do that and how you can do that. Nixon tried that with his tapes. And the Supreme Court, nine to nothing, told him, turn them over. You can't claim executive privilege. So don't know if he'll be protected or not. But John Bolton did not show up yesterday. <laughs> yes, I was right. surprised. He said he wouldn't show unless he was subpoenaed, and he was subpoenaed. And, and if he was subpoenaed, he's, his lawyer said that he would go to court to challenge the subpoena. Just the I guess under executive privilege. Right. Well, and he, he seemed enthused about testifying. And yet he doesn't show That's up. What, but, but, and, and I think uh, Trump is clearly counting on all of this being tied up in the courts. And I think we broached this topic before his position is going to be very, very different um, as a civilian, and he's probably still banking on remaining in the presidency and the protection that will offer him as they keep um, interpreting this. And, of course, the big question is, what can you charge a sitting president with? And as long as they go round and round in the courts, it's buying him time. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to... uh Dr. Chip McCoy and Professor Joe Green, both professors here at Dixie State University. And we're just talking about current affairs and we're just throwing things up in the air and we're talking a little bit about President Trump and impeachment and all that kinds of things. Uh, One of the things that I heard this morning 
uh, concerning President Trump and this whole uh, Ukraine situation is that he may have he may have committed quid pro quo, but the Ukraine president didn't didn't do anything, didn't didn't uh, go after or investigate uh, Biden like uh, supposed the, the president requested. So what are we talking about here? It was the action didn't take place? Is, is that have you heard that argument at the time of the conversation? The Evidently, the Ukrainians say they didn't know that the aid had been shut off at the time that, of the phone call. Okay. Okay. Uh, but the aid was turned back on uh, right after it was announced there was a whistleblower. Okay. okay. About a, a day after or something like that. No, nobody knew what the whistleblower was. Nobody, nobody still knows who he is. No, it's not in public. There are people who know who he is, but uh, and and so the Republican claim, the Trump side claim, is uh, even if Trump had said or implied, we're not going to give you the aid and, unless you investigate Biden, uh, that couldn't be true because Zelensky didn't know the aid had been cut off for another month after the conversation and Zelensky never investigated uh so that's Arisma is that the name of the gas company that uh, Biden something worked for something like that yeah Arisma I think yeah. its name amazing the counter democratic claim now okay. is uh that uh, behind the scenes uh the Ukrainians knew that uh that their was probably going to be a holdup if they didn't uh, do some some kind of investigation into corruption. And I'm not sure they've tied that to investigating Biden to Burisma yet, but they probably find somebody that they claim can. But there's this idea of when did the aid start again? It started after the call, but it was instituted very soon after the announcement was made in in Washington that the the whistleblower there was a whistleblower somewhere who right. was disturbed about something. Yeah, that whistleblower situation. Um, I'm I'm of the opinion that President Trump indirectly is trying to find out who the whistleblower is, and there's some um, idle threats being made. Indirectly, <laughs> some <laughs> idle threats being made. And uh, that's that defeats are, the whole purpose of a are, whistleblower. Are they, idle, are they idle threats? Well, <laughs> well, it, who is it? Uh, first of all, there, there's uh, there's the whole line of thought behind protecting people with um, potentially dangerous, sensitive information. Mm -hmm. It's it's a uh, an appropriate way to think about it, and if they can depend on no protection then people with valuable information about situations like this will be certainly less uh, willing to come forward. The problem we have now, which is not necessarily um, non-existent in other similar situations, is that this is so highly partisan. People are thinking about it in a little different way. Isn't it Rand Paul who's insisting that we uh, out this, this individual mm -hmm. and find out who the whistleblower is? And, of course— Rand Paul says he knows who it is. Well, the, oh. he, wants, he wants it made public is, yeah. is the, the problem. Um, and in terms of, of how this can work most effectively— that is a problem for this person, anybody who has valuable information who might want to come forward in the future. But once again, this, this is, uh, everybody has a counter now. And we can go back to the notion that, again, Democrats are talking about the fact that Donald Trump is, is clearly trying to leverage this investigation that he wanted of the Bidens and, and the Republicans are back talking about the fact that there's nothing clear about this at all. So uh, the, the the situation with a whistleblower is uh, going to be kind of precarious. Yeah, I'm concerned because uh, if that name ever comes out, that poor individual, uh, there's some going to be some aggressive action taken on him. I have, and I would hate for that to happen because that, that's what this country is based on. Well, no, nobody I mean, ever. Um, the whistleblowers, as you categorize them and whatnot, 
think about some of the stuff that happened a few years ago with the people who were ratting out the big tobacco companies. Where are they today? What are they doing? And you can just run down the categories. So you have to be willing to get really serious about what's going to happen to you. And once you cross the line, that is a very important bell that you will not be able to unring. So uh, if you're asking me, I think these people deserve some protection, but then it gets complicated. The counter argument that, that you hear from the, uh, on the other side is the whistleblower statute does not protect the anonymity of anybody. It protects them from being fired. And so uh, there are people being paraded on Fox every night now who have, were whistleblowers about corruption and misspending money, whose names were made pub, were in the public because they had to testify about what they knew. You, I mean, a whistleblower uh, usually leads to some sort of legal proceedings, so the person has to testify. Um, the Senate probably will, if it goes this far, will demand that this person come and testify. And the reason for that is they believe that it's some sort of partisan. Uh, that uh, evidently this person worked for Biden, has worked for the Democratic, uh, uh, for Democratic operations, worked for John Brennan, who is not seen by Republicans as someone who is to be trusted. He's, uh, they have this deep state idea that people in the State Department, but especially in the FBI, part of the FBI, and the, the intelligence agencies don't like the kind of changes that Mr. Trump made to foreign policy, that it's, it violates uh, 50 years of, of standard way that Democrats and Republicans have run foreign policy. And so they're trying to undermine him, and their claim is, first, they, they've been trying to impeach him right from the beginning because of this, uh, and that these people in the bureaucracy have uh, uh, a lot of ways to undermine a president by uh, making various kinds of claims, like the collusion with Russia thing that led to a two-year investigation. They think this is just part of that, and therefore... We need to know who the whistleblower is. We won't fire him, but to know what his motivation is, that that's important to the story. Well, and, and two things as well that go along with that. Uh, the story at the end of the day all boils down to the, the same argument that uh, staunch Trump supporters are, are voicing still, which is Joe was talking about one piece of it, which is to undo his presidency. All the stuff that Joe was just mentioning is regarded by Trump supporters as, uh, to put it in layman's terms, an inside hit job to get rid of, of Trump, and they can't trust any of them. Uh, the only other problem that you have with something like the way the whistleblower statute is uh, written is that that's great that the individual may not get fired, but it's a little bit like um, going to uh, the issue of substantive due process when you're in the legal system. Yeah. You might keep your job, uh, but, but your life is going to be that's, miserable. That's my concern. Your ne next posting will be Noma last Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah right. And, right. And so yeah, that, that, that's, that's really my concern. That's an issue that I don't think they've dealt with adequately. Yeah, I agree. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening uh, to uh, Joe Green, Professor Joe Green and Dr. Chip McLeod, and we're just talking about current affairs, and as the cards fall, uh, we're going to discuss those things. Um, I just have one quick, real quick thing, and then we've got to take a break here. Um, I just heard that uh, the White House has just hired a public relations firm because fellow Republicans have indicated that he's going down in the polls, that even though all this... Um, testimony and everything that people are starting to buy into it. So for the, they deny it, but the senior Republicans have said, we've got to do something. So is that correct? Or is that just a hearsay type of situation? Well, well, who, who's polls and, and with, uh, I don't know what the outcome of the uh, recent election in Kentucky is going to be. I don't think they've solved it yet, but it uh, looks like Democrats are making some headway. And if that's any indication in terms of political reality, which may comport with a poll, um, there are polls that clearly indicate his uh, support and his popularity is, is waning a little. 
Well, you know what? Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick, quick break. We have some important messages, but we're going to be coming right back. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go away. Dr. Chip McLeod and Professor Joe Green are going to stay here. we got another half coming up your way, so don't go away. Some important messages coming down to you. And this is Bob Oxley for Tips, and we'll see you back here in just a few minutes. Thank you. We now return you to tips, topics, issues, and positions with Dr. Bob Oxley. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Bob Oxley here for tips, and uh, we have two special guests that you're probably familiar with. Those of you who have watched the show before, it's Dr. Chip McLeod and Professor Joe Green from Dixie State University, and we're talking about current affairs and we were talking about the Trump and uh, the impeachment situation, um, whistleblowers, and Really what I'd like to start off here in the second half of this show today is the Democratic candidates. Uh, there's all sorts of maneuvering. The, 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 some of them are dropping out because of lack of funds. Um, and I, as of this morning, I saw that Biden had dropped down two, three places as far as in the polls. Is in this, uh, and Warren's leading the way. Um, give me some impression. What do you think? Is, this, is it too far out? We're, too, we're talking too much in advance here. And there's also another announcement that hasn't officially been made, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah. what about uh, what about these polls here? Is it just really a way ahead of the game here? We got to you're away. I brought over uh, this from uh, 538, which is the polling website. Got it. Uh, Nate Silver, the guy who runs it, is usually pretty good okay. at, at analyzing all of this kind of stuff. And his claim is that Biden's still ahead nationally. Hmm. Now, if you go to Iowa and uh, New Hampshire, where all of the activity's been going on, the, most of the campaigning, uh, he's behind. He's fourth in Iowa now. Uh, Warren is in front. In New Hampshire, uh, I don't think he's that far behind, but he's, uh, he's second there to Warren in New Hampshire right now. But in Nevada and South Carolina, which come later, He's still way ahead. Is that I mean, right? 10 points. He's uh, 27% in Nevada versus Warren at 19, Bernie at 18. In South Carolina, he's at 35 ahead. Wow. South, now, Biden does really, really well with minorities and with uh, uh, working class people that haven't been to college. Um, that's why he's the main threat to Trump because. Uh, that working class people who haven't been to college tend to be the, the who are white tend to be the people who are his base. Okay. And Biden cuts into that. He cuts into it in Pennsylvania. He cuts into it in Michigan. He cuts into it in clearly in Nevada and in South Carolina, something like 60% of the democratic voters are going to be African American. And so silver says, if you average, the early states, Biden is still way ahead. Now, this might be not with the new data, but in those four states, if you average them, he's at 27% and Warren at 19. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. Now, a lot a lot has to do with you, you've got to do well in Iowa or New Hampshire or it looks bad, and that takes away – Momentum is, I, I don't know. If right, I guess that's Well, if, if you get the stats out, if you don't uh, triumph in, in those primaries, um, you're probably not going anywhere. So that's why it's so important. But uh, you mentioned, uh, of course, the question as to whether this is still too far out. Bob, I got to tell you, the whole thing's pretty far out, but that's probably not. <laughs> it's going to be an not exciting what, year. Not what that. you were referring to. And <laughs> the same thing with, with Biden, and there's, there's some other. Fun things going on. Um, 
I, I'm not sure after Kamala Harris tried to beat him up basically on racial stuff in the early debates, he hung on to the African-American support. Um, and I'm not clear as to whether it's because of his policies, initiatives, what he's offered in the way of his service as a public servant, or whether it's because he was Barack Obama's vice president for um, two terms. And we'll, we'll see because in the kind of race that's going on now, um, these polls are important. They'll tell us something. The early going, depending on the state you're talking about, does have what I'll call historical significance. But I hope people aren't too set yet because it's way too early. And given what happened in 2016, when you get comfortable, you should begin to understand you should be uncomfortable. And and then we have other wrinkles. I don't know whether you were going to bring them up or not, but uh, you're going to, we're going to talk about Bloomberg. trying. Well, we're going to get to him just a minute, but uh, I wanted to throw in uh, about Warren. Uh, She was pressured to give, give us some economic details, how much this healthcare plan is going to cost. She was forced to do that. Right. And when she did it, economists across the country said, it's hopeless. That won't work. It'll never work. And that's what I thought that I was surprised that Warren was in the lead because after that came out, I mean, well, health care plan is, doesn't, isn't, hasn't, it feasibly, it cannot work. You can't even well, get, in the, in, and can't for, get through politics. And for what it's worth, I listened to Bill Gates the other day basically say, sure, take some more of my money. This, uh, you know, the the new take on the wealth tax that she's talking about and that sort of thing. But that's not going to solve the problem. That's not going to pay for this. Um, And he he knows a handful of billionaires willing to pay more in taxes, but that's nowhere near enough to fund these. um, They look great, and that's the political selling point. But these are grandiose schemes that will run out of money very quickly, even the most no pun intended, conservative approach to these quasi-socialistic um, health plans, if you will. So I, I don't she's, – she's not even talking a good game yeah, from I was, what I can hear. The now. point I was making, I was just surprised it didn't – she didn't drop dramatically in the polls as a result because that was one of her – one things she kept pushing was the, her health care plan and how it's going to save – Well, you're, you're – uh, I'll toss this in and then we'll – as ever, just see what happens. Um, A lot of times with the admittedly irrational consciousness built and perpetrated by the American political system, what, what people listen to is the answers. We ask you a question, and if we can get a politician actually to answer it honestly and uh, with facts, figures, and that sort of thing, that's great. But Democrats uh, want Trump out of the White House so badly that who knows what they're willing to contend with or put up with. I understand. There's, so. a, there's a narrative on the Democratic side that uh, 2016 could have gone to Bernie, that it was a populist uprising, that people who uh, uh, supported Trump might have voted for Bernie, some of them, People who who uh, who did when, when Bernie dropped out instead of supporting Clinton, those many of those people went to Trump because they just wanted things stirred up. Okay, but there's a, a progressive side of the Democratic Party that uh, is really open to uh, taking on capitalism and the wealth inequality that they see generated by it, and just just revolution, having a revolution in the system that's close to socialism, as as Bernie openly admits. Okay. With that narrative, they think that they can that Bernie was denied the nomination by cheating, that Clinton had the Democratic National Committee in her pocket, that they made the rules about the debates and early pri- and primaries and so on, so that Bernie. Right. Uh, couldn't compete. There were all of those uh, delegates that uh, did did not have to be selected in the primaries that were just, uh, you know, at-large delegates that Clinton had all sewed up. 
So there was no way Bernie could win, even though uh, he, the, the claim is he would have, uh, he, he would have gotten it if it was just the popular vote in the Democratic primaries. And the argument from that is that these kinds of policies, this revolution, is popular. That it, that it, that that's what where the country is now. And there's uh, between Bernie and and Warren, there's something around 40 percent of the people who are po- being polled by the Democrats who believe that that can happen and they want it to happen. So she and Bernie have this 40 percent that. And that's what she's appealing to is that particular group. And they love it. Okay. It's uh, an analogy might be Trump in 2016 saying, I'm going to build a wall. Well, everybody knew he wasn't going to, you know, we might build part of it, but there would be resistance and I'm going to make Mexico pay for it. Yes, I remember. And, and that's, that was never going to happen that Mexico was going to pay for it. Even if you go uh, you know, try and play word games and say, hey, they paid tariffs or something like that. Uh, the part of the wall that we built, which is even, even close to the full border, okay, with one big gate in it that, that will we'll decide who comes in. Uh, but if you watch the rallies all during that time of, of uh, the run-up to the election in 2016, we're going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. Well, going to have health, uh, uh, Medicare for all, and the rich are going to pay for it. I, I, it's, it's the, what the irrationality of I'm listening through my lens and I hear and perceive the world through my lens. And my lens has often not a lot to do with reality, but but it makes me feel good. I mean, yeah. And, and, and that's, uh, which is one of the things important about the new narrative, which is the old narrative that we haven't heard uh, as much about lately, but now it's back with uh, what I'll call uh, Michael Bloomberg's um, threat to get into the race. Okay, here we go. His narrative is very simple. Bring that in. I'm the only Democratic, now that I'm a Democrat again, I'm the only Democrat who can beat Trump. And that's what people are listening to. Um, I don't, I don't know how many people really think that these economic policies that Warren and Bernie or, or what have you are bringing up are really viable. Other than the fact that again, it almost sounds like um, the the old broken record where you get back to the same talking point and narrative every time. Um, who knows what will happen in the confines of reality? We just want Trump out of the White House. Now, I, I, the recent election in, in Kentucky where the Democrat took over as governor, but all of the uh, other positions were retained by Republicans. And they said their analysis showed that it was the suburbanites coming forward, the moderates, that actually put this uh, Democratic governor in the office. Well, and, and look at look at what um, Trump may be doing. Uh, I mean, if if he goes through the the regular political channels in his home state of Alabama, does anybody doubt that Jeff Sessions will come back as an Alabama senator? But tr- <laughs> Trump Trump is uh, is Alabama staunchly in the Trump camp in 2016, are they so enamored of Trump that uh, he can do what he's threatening to do to Sessions again, just diss him, com- completely refuse to support him and that sort of thing? Is, is that going to work? Or, do whatever uh, he wants. Or all of the, all these sideshows just things that he, he think are, thinks are inconsequential? Sessions was on a program last night. Was he? he did his interview and, announced, and said we're filing tomorrow and bent over backward to go down the list of the ways that he supports Trump, that he's the main supporter of the Trump agenda, that uh, nobody in the Senate will support and push the Trump agenda more than him. And, uh, you know, it was... And what does that tell you? Uh, it, it tells me that this, even after all this time, this president who has some, I, I can't define his superpower that these people seem to feel or, or they're just scared to death of him. 
got I, I uh, and Sessions was the first one, first senator to come out to endorse Trump. Mm-hmm. He was the first one. Here he is again. Well, and and uh, I don't I don't whether he really thinks he needs Trump's help or what he's going on about, but it's just a political phenomenon that's tantamount to bizarre. In in Alabama, there are five, I think, potential Republican people who have announced who are running, okay? Sessions could split that Republican vote between them and I think an attorney general or someone down there who's uh, who's the odds-on favorite because one of the five guys running is Roy Moore. And Roy Moore has, he's kind of like Trump. He has that 30% of people in Alabama who thinks he's, he's the person that they need. And that's why they don't have their Senate, why a Democrat has the Senate seat. Why Mr. Jones is the Senate, the Democrat is the Senator who's pro-abortion in Alabama, okay? And he could, he could win the seat again. Well, it, it, amazing. It's amazing. So, and again, it, it's it's um, um, I don't know how people will regard that, but the the support in Alabama for certain folks in the federal government is it's a very interesting split when it comes to that. I mean, the, the people with the real political power and economic juice in Alabama seem to be firmly behind Sessions. Uh, now, the extent to which they can influence the vote, you never know about that, but. Um, so it's, it's very regional, even within uh, Alabama, but I can't imagine that that Trump would want to do anything to jeopardize, uh, especially with who knows what's going to happen with the Senate vote in the, in the general, uh, election. There are uh, 18, this is this year when there are a lot of Republicans. I I can't imagine Trump, Trump would, would want to do anything that would jeopardize one single Republican seat in the Senate. I agree. It's scary. And, uh. Arizona is up for grabs. Arizona's yes. been a a red state. Uh, of course, Nevada was a red state. Now it's a blue state, yes. and Arizona seems to be turning. Yeah. They could lose. They could easily lose that second Senate seat down there. Uh, Cory Gardner in Colorado. Colorado has gone blue. And Gardner, you know, came in in the uh, in with, with that. Sorry, that 20, I was supposed to turn this off. Uh, with that, that 20, that, what was it? The 2014 wave of Republicans right. that came in. But uh, he, he's not at all, sh- we're not at all sure that he's, he can pull out Colorado in, in, in that. So uh, they could lose. They could. They've got a four seat majority. They could lose that. And, uh, and then, if a Democrat's elected, the House, the Senate, and the right here we go again. Yeah. No, if you're if you're really uh, tapped into the the nature of our our politics these days, Trump was uh, opining the other day that uh, not to the extent that politics in this country is as well as elsewhere can be a very irrational endeavor. Trump was suggesting strongly that. That the Republicans are going to take back the House. The yeah, I, no, We're going to no problem. We're yeah. going to take back the House. Right. Okay. Right. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Dr. Chip McLeod <laughs> and Professor Joe Green, professors at Dixie State University, and we're talking current affairs and and we're 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 all over the board today. We're talking mostly politics, but I want to change the gear here up a little bit. Uh, it looks like uh, we are working toward an agreement, uh, tariff uh, agreement with China that they're going to relinquish some of their tariffs and we're going to relinquish some of our tariffs. What have you heard about that? Because that affects all of us. Um, for, <laughs> yeah. about, for about a month now, we've been hearing that uh, after on and off and the negotiations yeah. being called off and then back on, <laughs> We've been hearing that there is an agreement in principle uh, for a trade deal. Wow. And uh, uh, what was it? Yesterday it was announced that part of that initial agreement, they're going to work out the deal later, but part of the initial agreement is that the tariffs we imposed on China and the, the responding tariffs that they imposed on us 
are all going to be withdrawn. The I heard word I heard was all of them. I heard, I didn't hear all, but I heard a large majority. Not all, but I wasn't sure. Well, I don't know that they're negotiating China's stoppage of, of stealing our stuff. Uh, I think that's in the, ne- the what negotiations. They call, what do they to call it? Intellectual uh, the intellectual property, property right, and, yeah. and that sort of thing. And uh, what is truly amazing, um, I don't know what will be said or talked about regarding this. And, and again, the, the agreement is on the table. If it comes through, it will be close to a miracle in its outcome given Trump's, um, is it fair to say, Joe, ignorant, ham-fisted approach at this? Does, does it, that? That's, that's the way I, I would say I'm, huh. I think the tariff war was, the way it was done oh. was done awfully, should have been done in conjunction with allies, but instead he put tariffs on our allies. I know. And uh, uh, he, in my view, he should have uh, uh, gone after the Trans-Pacific Partnership with open arms. It was uh, only the, uh, the nations around the Pacific Rim, excluding China, who were going to have this free trade agreement uh, that excluded China. It was a way of putting th- – that's how you put pressure on a nation that's right. stealing your intellectual property. Instead, he pulled us out of TPP. I know. Now, now that that's doctrinal uh, uh, on the mercantilist uh, part side of our politics. Hillary Clinton said she would pull out, uh, as you know, she kind of came to that late in her in her campaign. Trump said he would pull out, and it w- and that was, I guess, popular. But it's you know, free trade makes us rich. Absolutely. With so, the with the election looming. If he makes this work, <laughs> what will the Democrats respond with? Yeah, this this, this will get him some votes if he now, can make this I'm, pull this off. I'm what I'm hearing from Dr. McLeod is some cynicism. <laughs> I'm I'm hearing what I'm hearing. I'll tell oh, you. Come on. I'll tell you what I'm hearing. <laughs> I'm I'm hearing a, an argument that maybe somebody gave in a, a whole lot compared to the initial negotiating position in order to go into the election with a deal with China. And my guess is that uh, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> there's, there's, there is not, especially with, with the election right around the corner, what is any better than rolling back on, renegotiating, and coming up with an economic policy that works um, and that people can, what will they say? Um, we were right all along, told you so. Yeah. And uh, if his stock, if you will, doesn't go up because of this, again, if he can pull it off, I, I don't know what sort of narrative or response the Democrats will come up with. I, I can hear him. I can hear him saying, when are you doubters going to recognize I know what I'm doing? Well, yeah, perhaps. Right, right. It looks like, now, we don't have details yet, okay? But I'd give you odds on what I'm about to say. I think... This is a bet. You know, that's kind of... (laughs) I think uh, that they've negotiated some way to reduce the tariffs, which uh, all of the... Virtually all of the economic analysis, except for the stuff coming out of the White House, says is harming Europe and slowing down Europe. It's clearly harming China. China and Europe both trade with us, which means we have industries in the United States and jobs in the the United States that are dependent on those goods coming in from China and those goods coming in from Europe. It's slowing down the world economy, and that's putting a threat on... It hasn't happened yet, but a threat on uh, on U.S. economic growth. We're already down two percent, and the economic studies I've seen say that's directly related to trade. That's the main thing that's causing. We were at, he got us to three percent. Well, could be his claim, and then he gets us down to two. Back the same the the, the same kind of economic syst- uh, growth system that President Obama had for eight years. So. Uh, 
the, arg- the idea is to get rid of the tariffs now and get the growth rate back up to three by the time of the election. And if, that's, if, if, that's he, my- if he can do that, um, my question is, Unless he just does something outrageous because he's Donald Trump. Yeah, I was going to say. How do, how do you beat that? How, how do you best that? And, and he, this is it, it's the best economy we've had in this, this country. Yeah. you got to factor in this, that, and the other. But um, that's, that's his argument. Yeah, and, and if you're on the fence. But it doesn't get him, it doesn't get him above 45%. He's never been above it. Right. And in these last, in 2018, and in this last election, set of elections in Virginia and Kentucky, and in Mississippi, where the, Dem- where the Republican barely, they did. It was Republican squeaker, governor they squeaks there. by That's in exactly, Mississippi. I know. I go, yep. are you kidding me? Yep. What's happening is in, the elections are now being decided in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. That's what they mainly, said in Kentucky. Mainly yeah. by the way that women in the electorate decide, married women and especially single women, okay, in the suburbs. The cities go for the Democrats, the rural areas go for the Republicans, the elections are decided there, and in all of these, 2018, and in these that we had, those women in those uh, suburban districts are going to the Democrats. Now that's the trend. Wow. Well, and, and, now, it, I, and as Chip said, you can't you can't bank on that. You don't know what's going to happen in two years. Well, and if if we could uh, get an authoritative, uh, just outrageously statistically uh, accurate rundown of of why these people are doing that, they, they've got two three issues as usual. Are they voting on hard headed uh, issues, or is it their principles, a mix of both? But it's these little outlying areas that uh, they're going to determine the election. It's going to be interesting. We've got a year to do this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us, uh, Dr. Chip McLeod and Professor Joe Green. Uh, again, thank you. You're thank back. You. You're going to be back again, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is fun. Uh, this is Bob Oxley for Topics, Issues, and Positions signing off, and we'll, we'll uh, see you or hear from you, me to you or whatever next week. At Friday at 3 o'clock on KDXI 100.3 and rebroadcasting on Saturday at 5 p.m. Until then, goodbye now. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, guys. All right. With tips, topics, issues, and positions. For video and or audio of this, go to Podbean or Spotify, YouTube or Facebook, and search Radio St. George or RadioStGeorge.com. Until next week, this has been Bob Oxley with tips on Radio St. George 100.3 FM.